0: Hello everybody and welcome back to the Real Estate Rundown. Today I have the honor of having Marco Santarelli with me. He's been an investor for over 30 years. He's an author. He's been uh, in Inc. Magazine, uh, Entrepreneur 5000. He's a founder of NORAD Real Estate Investments. Uh, he is a national provider of turnkey cash flow investment properties and his mission, here's the thing guys, his mission is to help over a million people create passive income and wealth. Welcome to the show, Marco Santorelli. How are you, sir?
1: Shannon, I'm awesome. It's an honor to be here and I'm excited to have this conversation with you.
0: Great. So, Marco, let's start with the basics. I always like to start with where did
1: you come from? What was your, how did you get started in real estate? I got started in real estate at the age of eighteen when I bought my first rental property. And a lot of people will say to me, "Well, wow, that's you know pretty young. You started early." Funny thing is, is I actually started thinking about wealth at a much younger age. I just knew at a very young age that I wanted to create wealth, and I studied business, entrepreneurship, and real estate uh, in my early teens. And it's kind of a geeky thing to say because I didn't even have a driver's license. I had to literally have my parents either order product online or uh, drive me around to buy books. So, um, but I just knew what I wanted to do, right? And uh, so I studied it and I made it a passion of mine. It was really a burning desire. So when I got, turned 16, I got a job and I saved up enough for the down payment. When I turned 18 and I could qualify for financing, I bought that first rental property. And then I just dove in, I fixed it up, I, uh, you know, put a sign out on the lawn, there was no internet back then. So advertising was essentially newspaper and signage.
0: Right.
1: And um, so, uh, you know, I, I finally leased it to someone managed it my, myself for a, a number of years. And really, that's where I cut my teeth. And it was, you know, looking back, it was pretty textbook, but here's the biggest mistake and the biggest regret I have. And that is, is that years later when that property appreciated and I knew there was equity in there, I sold the property, I took the equity and I went off and did what I did with it. In hindsight, what I really should have done is sold it and did a tax deferred exchange, taking that equity and leveraging it up into more properties to build my portfolio, you know, kind of young and dumb at the time but you know again, it was where I started. That's how I got started in real estate investing.
0: Well and you know uh, Marco, the one thing that I know is there's no college courses that are gonna teach you what that lesson taught you. That lesson smarts to this day, 30 years later, it still leaves a mark as to what you should have done and there's no college class, there's no college credit that's gonna give you that kind of a feeling all these years later. Uh, I, I have similar stories of my own that uh, we could probably talk for quite some time. Of all the real estate things I learned by by doing it wrong, <laughs> but uh, you know, so let's let's talk about yeah. uh, you know after that, and you kind of you kind of go down this path. You become an author. I mean, you're you're doing all these things. You're you're producing a, an incredible amount of, of of content out there that people have access to. T- tell us about that journey that's brought you here to today.
1: Well, when I started this business 16 years ago, 16 and a half years ago, uh, the core business uh, of Norad Real Estate Investments, which, which for those people who are listening to this and they don't know what it is, we're, we're a nationwide provider of turnkey, cash-flowing rental properties. So it's really everything done for you. It's the properties, the the team, the management, the education, the counseling, uh, the financing, everything, everything, everything that you could possibly need to be successful. When I started that business, people were coming to me when I was investing in 2003 and 2004 saying, hey, can you mentor me, coach me, help me out? Because I see you're buying a lot of property very quickly. In fact, I bought 84 doors in nine months in a very short period of time. So, And those were mostly you know, one to four unit property. So we're talking a lot of properties. Yeah. Um, I didn't have the time to do that. And that's really how the business was born. What I found is that in the process of doing that, the more people I spoke to, the more they realized that I had the ability to explain things in a very clear, uh, simple way. And so I just started writing articles, posting, uh, putting out content, um, you know, writing all kinds of reports and whatnot. Uh, market reports, um, got investment reports. And then I started co-authoring some books. And now I have a new book coming out called Passive Real Estate Investing, which I plan to give away for free. So I just like educating. But, you know, as you become more and more successful, you start to think, well, why am I doing all this? There's more to it than just that, just the money, right? It's like, what what is my legacy? What am I giving back? And so this just all leads up to the whole big goal, that big hairy audacious goal. What is, what is it I want to do? How do I want to help people? What is my legacy going to be? And that legacy is really um, this big goal of helping a million people. Now that, that, that doesn't mean they're customers of ours. We have thousands of clients, but if I can educate someone and inspire them to take action, start, you know, investing intelligently and building a real estate portfolio and creating passive income, which is what we're doing, Uh, then I've touched a lot of people. And my hope is at the end of it all, I've helped a million people improve their financial lives and become closer to that financial independence or financial freedom um, place that they want to be. And so it's really everything that we're doing is all working synergistically together just to help and spread the word and, and, and just educate and inspire people to take action and actually do something for their financial future and their families.
0: You know, that's awesome, Marco. And, you know, it's funny, the farther I get down uh, into the syndication world, into the real estate investing world, it it's a common theme. You know, you don't hear stockbrokers saying, hey, you know what, I want to write a book and give it away. I mean, you, you just don't, right? The stockbroker is the one that says, I want to write a book. Not only do I want to sell you the book, but I want to charge you 3% a year for you to own the book, right? I mean, that's... That's the stockbroker's model, right? <laughs> but it's amazing because you're you're more concerned about your legacy. You're looking at what you can do to educate others to help others because the world needs smarter investors. You know, the world is full of people that have have been down the road of well this guy told me this one thing and it was supposed to work and it didn't and you know, I we we've, we've all had the conversation with somebody that invested into a course that was $1700 that got them nowhere and you know this and that. And I'm not saying courses are bad, but, but seeing what you're doing and seeing that you're putting out the content and you've got your podcast and you've got, you know, all these different ways to reach out to people and to get the information out to ensure that the general public, if they want to be a smart investor, all they've got to do is tap into the resources that you've created so that they can be a smart investor. Then once they're a smart investor, there's a natural choice that they'll probably wind up picking your product because it's a very intelligent choice and that's a great way to go. But it's, It's awesome to see in the real estate world where so many people take the time like yourself to put the content out. I don't know anybody else that's giving away a free book though. So we're going to want to get some of those copies so that we can give those out from from our point of view as well and to some of our people. Tell us a little bit more about what your business model does when you're you're saying turnkey, It sounds like you've done everything. What brought you to that and and how does that model work?
1: So I won't take credit for for the term turnkey. It it existed before 2003 when I started using it, but I did start marketing the crap out of that term to the point where now it's kicked around by virtually everybody, especially online. Uh, So there are turnkey providers and promoters all over the country. Uh, but let's define that. The problem was is even to this day, there's still no industry definition of what turnkey investing is or turnkey real estate investments are. So we wanted to basically define what that is. And for, and it's different for everybody, but for us, it's not a rent ready property. You can find those on the MLS all day long. For us, a turnkey real estate investment is some, is a property that is new or like new right so there's no deferred maintenance it's just, it's in it's in great condition you don't have to be doing any work on it it's in a good market it's in a good neighborhood it's tenant occupied cash flow positive professionally managed by full service property management so, uh, so th- that is the product when you put one more layer on the onion and you work with a team an entire team that can help you be successful in acquiring and building a portfolio of those properties Now you've got turnkey investments with a turnkey real estate investing experience. That's what I wanted to build. And and that's what we built over the years. And, And like I said, I marketed the crap out of it, but still to this day, people really just banter around these, these phrases and terms like turnkey investments. And it means different things to different people. What's turnkey to you is not necessarily turnkey to me. Uh, But that's essentially what it is.
0: Now, the other thing I heard you mention earlier is you actually have financing lined up. So, you've got a lender that you're working with, you've got a property management company you're working with. I can come to you as a busy person and I can say, Marco, I need something in the Florida market or the Texas market and you go, yeah, we've got these options right here. We've already vetted them. They're already cash flowing. Uh, and the property management company is already in place and and here's your lender, it's, is, is it really that, I mean, you've got it that dialed in?
1: Yeah, the, the magic word you said was the word busy because that's the word I use. We describe our clientele as busy people you know, they've got a full-time job or career. Maybe they're running a business. They've got their kids' soccer game on the weekend. They have a family. They've got friends. They've, they're doing things in the evening. They're doing things on the weekend. They don't have time to educate themselves on on real estate investing at a deep level. What they would rather do is learn enough to know that this is what they should be doing and ask intelligent questions and then assemble a team that's going to help support them to be successful. And that's where we come in. Now we've got, you know the uh, the, the lenders is not just one of any one thing. We're in multiple markets. We have multiple lending entities. We provide, you know, asset protection attorneys, uh, title companies, inspectors, um, obviously the product in every market. There's about 25 markets that we're in. Uh, so, so literally it's, it's anything and everything that you Probably need now. You don't have to work with the people we recommend. We'll vet them and we'll give you two to five names of everything and everybody that you could possibly work with. We'll introduce you to them and connect you via email and/or phone. So we're giving it all to you. They're they're vetted providers. But at the end of the day, if you choose to work with a different property management company or go to a different lender for your financing, well, that's fine. Um, you know that's your choice. <laughs> but the short answer is yes, it's all there.
0: Right. That's kind of like when your wife says, go ahead, honey. I don't care. You can do it, but it's not advisable. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, really, Marco, what you've got is when you say turnkey, I mean, you have the property management company. I mean, it's all there. The guy walks in, he knows exactly what kind of cash flow he's going to expect off of this deal. You said new or like new, so you're not dealing with, you know, older neighborhoods and, and things like that. So So, that's I mean, are you, are you, when you move into a market, you must be, you know, taking on a pretty good chunk of real estate when you're moving in. I mean, you're, you're in 25 markets across the nation. Are you doing 30 or 40 or 50 houses on an annual basis in that market? Give us an
1: idea. Uh, on average, it would probably be, well, it depends on the market. Some markets are very popular. Like, uh, for example, um, Kansas City, Indianapolis, Memphis, Tennessee, uh uh your the areas around york pennsylvania those markets we move a lot of product like we're probably going to push 800 properties this year uh you know collectively so you know it's it's a lot of product uh some markets not a lot and that's not because it's a bad market they're all good markets but sometimes there's just not enough inventory for the volume of business that we could bring to that market so we have investors that are looking for product. There's good product in that market, but we are only getting maybe five a month in a, out of a particular market. Whereas other markets, we're, we're able to get to, you know, 20, 25, 30 doors a month, like individual properties. So, so there's the uh, availability of inventory, but also it comes down to you as the investor. What are your needs? What's your specific goal? Are you focused more on capital growth or cash flow? You'll always have cash flow, but sometimes if your goal is to if you're in growth mode and your goal is to accumulate a, a, a portfolio and you want the capital appreciation, we're going to put you in certain markets and not recommend other markets. So, so that's why, you know, there's the diversity of markets, but um, at the end of the day, there's something for everybody. And, uh, and they're all, you know, completely turnkey and, and and ready to go and tenant occupied and all that kind of stuff. There's something you said before that um, uh, maybe want to comment Uh, transparency. It's important when you're looking at properties and you're doing your due diligence like with or without your help or our help, it's important that you actually analyze things completely. So when you look at the cash flow um, or pro forma of a property, you want to see that there's vacancy uh, allowance on there. You want to see that there's maintenance and repairs. You want it to be accurate and complete. Sometimes people fudge those numbers or don't actually put them on the pro formas. And so your cash flow looks really attractive. Uh, But when you factor those out, the cash flow is still there and it's still attractive, but now you've budgeted for these things if and when they happen. And so we always give that up front and and we also tell people, make sure you're checking for these things when you're comparing properties from one place to another. Um, Even on our website, like all the cash flow calculators that every single property has when you click a button, it actually will show you there. There's 5% budgeted for vacancy allowance and 5% for uh, maintenance and repairs. You can change those numbers. But they're there by default because we want you to see a true net cash flow number not something that has been inflated by a seller that's just trying to move a property.
0: That is very true and you you see that as a market gets heated you know people care less and less about that because they're you know they're jumping in or you know 10 years ago uh, real estate was not real attractive it was you know people were, were not wanting it and now everybody's back to being in love with real estate uh, like it was 2005 again. And and th- so, it comes and goes. But <laughs> But, you know, those of us that have been in it our whole lives, like yourself, myself, you know, those are natural to us. But it's important to remember that not everybody has been in it as long as we have. And it's about getting good information to the people and going, hey, look, I get it. My deal doesn't look as sweet as his, but mine's a real deal. And that one might have some things in it that aren't true to what a, a real investor would do and that goes back to your education right i mean you're providing that education to the people you're giving them that knowledge you're you're, you're putting it out there and go you can change this but the default is you're going to want 5% your lender is going to want to see 5% you're you're going to want to put this in there because you're going to have the one that's going to have 8% vacancy it's going to happen and then 5% wasn't quite enough but then you're going to have the other one that's only at 2 so, Marco, when you go into a market, how do well, you... Well, that's
1: actually, so, uh, sorry to interrupt, Shannon, you know, what you, what you pointed out is, is, is important. And that really applies uh, heavily in the commercial space, you know, when you're dealing with um, apartments and commercial loans it's not as forgiving for the investor on the residential side because they're not qualifying the property and they're not doing due diligence on the property saying hey did you factor out vacancy and maintenance and repairs and whatever else they're looking at you as the borrower can you personally qualify for the financing so if you screw it up on your due diligence on analyzing property and you omitted that and now your cash flow is razor thin or maybe negative Well, that's your problem. It's not the lender's responsibility to check that for you or to, to take on that responsibility. That's on you. So uh, you're the one qualifying, not the property when it comes to one to four unit properties in the residential space.
0: Right. And, and that is what most of
1: yours are is the one to four units, correct? Yeah. Our focus, I mean, unless we're doing a syndication of some kind, whether commercial uh, or, or otherwise, I mean, we're involved in other kinds of projects, including like cannabis real estate, um, type projects uh those are kind of specialty investments they're still passive you can come in as a you know a a passive partner or a note investor but the the main bread and butter are the one to four unit residential properties yes okay so so
0: when you're when you're going into a market and you're you're wanting to value it what are some of the key indicators that you look at marco that says hey this is a good market like like, what was it about Kansas City that made you go, I like Kansas City?
1: Well, at the heart of it are, are two main things. One is the job environment. So, are there jobs and is there job growth? So, as long as there's jobs, a steady flow of jobs and job growth, that drives the next factor, which is population growth. And those two things provide demand for housing. So, that's what floats for the most part, the housing market. It creates the need and the demand for the existing units as well as additional units. So you need population growth and ideally you want job growth. So that, that's the fundamental. The rest of it is what I call the story. So in Kansas City, for example, it, it is, you know, they call it the crossroads of America. And the reason for that is, is it's a logistical distribution uh, network of rail. So there is industry there and there will always be industry there because people need rail uh, to transport goods all around the country. Um, So um, Cerner is a major employer there and they've been growing and expanding and hiring thousands of people. Uh, So there's a lot of industry and growth from a business perspective. So that leads to jobs, that leads to population stability, leads to population growth, uh, both organic, but as well as people coming in from other cities and states, you know, to work there. And then you've got to look at the numbers, you know, is it an affordable market? Is affordability reasonable? Or is it overpriced like San Francisco? So if you can buy a three bedroom, two bath home in the $150,000 to $250,000 price range, it's probably a good market as long as it rents for about 1% per month of that purchase price, you know, the numbers are going to make sense. So those are some of the things that we look at in a market. Clearly San Francisco and the coastal markets don't make sense because they're, um, you know, what I'll call bubble markets, but they're very expensive high priced markets. The numbers don't pencil out. And even then, even if they were to pencil out because they're so expensive and the land value is what's really driving that price, you have more downside risk potential. And so, I don't like those coastal markets for that reason. They just don't make sense. They're a speculator's game more than anything else.
0: You know, because I've heard that, you know, people go, well, you know, what about this? This market's really hot right now. And you're right. It is. Nobody's going to deny that. But are you smart enough to know exactly when to get out before the market goes lukewarm and then suddenly cold? I remember, you you remember as well, when the dot-com bubble burst, how cheap you could buy stuff in Silicon Valley immediately after that, you know? back in the 90s I mean you know it was a bloodbath and that was because you were speculating you weren't being a real estate investor and there's a big difference that a lot of people don't understand the difference between being a speculator and being an investor and what that difference really is and how the, the whole thought process behind that is, is completely different. So when you're walking people through what, what you've got for a process and, and they're seeing in your education. You know, obviously, you've got spreadsheets, you've got information. I mean, what are some of the other things that you've got available to people on your website and and in your portfolio of education
1: that is going to get you to that million people? Well, we always have about twenty percent of available properties listed on our website. They're posted there with notes and very, very detailed cash flow analysis that goes out thirty years. Uh, starting from year one, plus we have neighborhood information like demographic and trending information. So we actually pull and aggregate uh, market uh, market and industry data that comes in and shows you, you know, what the neighborhood's like in terms of income, uh, the percent of owner occupied homes, uh, the types of jobs in the area, all that kind of stuff. So you actually have a world of information there. Plus we can supplement that when you're talking to your investment counselor here with additional information. So that's the property side of it. The, the information side of it is really just the content we put out on a weekly basis, actually three times a week on the podcast, articles that are posted a couple times a week on, on, on our blog, the two, there's two websites actually, so the content we put on both blogs and, and uh, the reports that we come out with from time to time and then you know the upcoming book, that's just the content. But your audience needs to understand that there's a ton of good information out there and most of it is free. And the stuff that's not free is called a book that you can buy for 10, 15 bucks, 20 bucks. There's no reason, no excuse that you cannot be educating yourself for free or very, very inexpensively. And if you're not investing in yourself, because that's what this education is, um, you shouldn't be investing at all because it all starts with you and your mindset. You know, you have to start by investing in yourself. Otherwise, how do you expect to grow and be you know, successful and financially independent?
0: I'm smiling because you know, it's the real estate market, it's the people like yourself that are that are concerned about people's mindset. Again, you know, if you're if you're investing in crypto or you're investing in, in the stock market, you never hear anybody talking about mindset. You know, uh, you, you've got the Tony Robbins of the world that tell you, hey, you need to invest, but you don't have you don't have the guy that's that's telling you how to do Forex trading telling you, hey, you know what? You need to work on yourself. You need to make sure your mindset's right. You need to make sure that you're you're in the best positive space to be able to make these educated decisions about what you're going to do with your financial future. I can't help but realize that real estate has got some of the coolest people in it because of what they're willing to do <laughs> to educate other people like yourself. I mean, you're putting out content out there that is free that that you're putting out there that is solid that is backed with science or financial data if you will and I just I can't help but think that I'm so glad I could be a part of something like this where people like yourselves are really taking the time to bring it to people and put it to them like that. Now obviously um, I want to talk about your book but before I do that I want to ask you what was your number one favorite real estate book? That you got to read of
1: somebody else's. Well, that whenever I get asked that question, I find it difficult to answer because there's no one favorite. So what I end up doing is I breaking it. I break it up into two parts. If you really want to start from the very beginning, what kind of that foundational book that changed my mindset? And I'm sure you've heard this a thousand times, but it's Kiyosaki's uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad.
0: Yeah.
1: You know yeah. that book is just very foundational because it really puts into perspective. A lot of concepts that are misunderstood like the difference between an asset and a liability you know people thinking that their home is an asset well it's not it's a liability it's taking money out of your pocket not putting money in your pocket so really that is a great starting starting point uh, i would say the precursor to that is not a real estate book but book think and grow rich there's a reason why it's called think and grow rich to your previous point it's not thinking be poor it's think and grow rich right Um, But, you know, there's many great books after that, like the whole Kiyosaki series of Rich Dad Advisor books would be a good second choice. So as far as favorites go, that would be the continuation is that series or uh, Gary Keller's book, uh, The Millionaire Real Estate Investor uh, that, um, uh, you know, it's a blue book. It's about an inch thick. It's, It's great. It's a little scattered. It covers a lot of topics. But again, it just brings in this world of mystery all together in this this nice basket, and so uh, it's a good read.
0: <laughs> so, yeah,
1: those are well, those are the two picks.
0: And you know, I, I'm I'm very proud of myself. Uh, everything you mentioned, I've read, and and you're correct. You know, Kiyosaki, it's nothing new. It's just a new way to say it. The way that he goes through and explains that, and. You know, the way that that comes across. I remember reading that book in, in my teens, uh, you know, 18, 19, when it first came out. And I, I recently reread it. And it's funny, I still got more out of it all these years later. But, but I want to talk about your book. I want to talk about, you know, what, what, what this book is about. This isn't your first book, but what, what was your thought process behind writing this? and and what's what's the content
1: of it well so there's books out there that are inter, uh, beginners intermediate and advanced books and I uh, when I first set out to write this book five it was over five years ago it got tabled multiple times it was it had a little bit of everything and it was just too much and I gave it to an editor and she said there's too much in here you've got to split it in half and take out the other stuff that is really more of a part two more of, of an advanced type of of topic like tax strategies and other things like that, so really, I have kind of a beginners to intermediate book, and it's meant to be both educational as far as tactical and technical but inspirational at the same time and and that itself has been kind of rewritten twice now. Uh, so I have it in a final manuscript and i've I've literally been given a, a an offer by two book publishers out of New York that have given me a written offer to publish the book. And i turned both of them down after 30 days of thinking about it because I wanted to control the book. I wanted it to be my book and I wanted it to be something I could give away for free if I want to give it away for free. Whereas with them, I couldn't do that. I had to buy the books from them at whatever, you know, eight bucks, six bucks a copy, however much it is. And so I didn't want to do that. So anyway, it's, it's a book that's geared towards, um, The beginning part is really what probably a lot of people already understand. You know, the fundamentals of the difference between a single family and a fourplex and all that kind of stuff. But it gets into things. Really, at the end of the day, all I want is people to be comfortable with real estate, not fear real estate and investing in real estate and be inspired to actually move forward and and build something that will create passive income for themselves and create wealth, not just for them today, but for their family tomorrow and their heirs uh, down the road. That, that's really the ultimate goal. And I, and if I can give that away, you know, for free, uh, you know, as a download. And if you want the paperback, it's just, you know, pay the shipping. I'll pay for the book. You can have it. Um, uh, that's what I intend to do.
0: That's that's awesome. I, I can't wait to read it. I'm I definitely uh, wanting the paper copy. I'm kind of old school that way. I, I really like to get my hands on it. That way I can <laughs> underline it, you know. I can reread it. You know, my mind's not what it used to be. I thought I heard that differently, but but um, you know, what is the so so? You mentioned one of your early regrets early on in the podcast. What is what is one of the things that you want our listeners to take away as one of your early successes that that really kind of cornerstoned your real estate experience and and just really solidified the fact that you were understanding it and you were moving forward with it. Just something that was a win for you on on that, in, in
1: your early days. I really think the, the most important thing is this. How many people do you know, I know for sure, that talk about the things they want to do and they use the words, I wish, or someday, right? we all have these ideas and dreams and so many people talk about and even think about, some people don't even verbalize it, but they think about the things that they want to do or that they will do someday like real estate investing and then they never do it or they do it so late that they, and, you know, look back and they regret not starting earlier. You know, the whole saying of when's the best time to plant a tree? Well, it was 20 years ago. When's the next best time to plant a tree? It's today. Right. So the whole thing about taking action is the thing that really kills people because they may, they know they should be investing, they know they should be learning something about it, they know they should be talking to somebody and, again, building a team and working on it, uh, they know they should be accumulating the down payment, but they don't ultimately do anything about it. So so taking action is, is the game changer. The difference between someone who's actually successful and someone who isn't is the guy who's successful actually took action. Now, guess what? They may have failed and they may have failed multiple times, but if you can fail, fail fast and fail forward, you will get back up and do it again. And you will succeed. Maybe not the first time, maybe not the second time, because I made my fair share of mistakes. I've been ripped off by contractors. I've been ripped off by by, uh, by contractors and property managers, and you name it. But you know what? It didn't stop me. I kept taking action and I got to the point where I, Started to create something that's meaningful, and really, it's it's all about action.
0: You know, I didn't go to college. Uh, I, I went for a little bit, and then they, you know, I realized that they wanted me to attend classes. But when I have one of those things where I get ripped off, or it didn't go the way I wanted, or or you know, uh, I I fail on something, I always look at that and go, well, there's there's my college course. You know, I'm I'm now in my master's degree. Of, of failings on things. And yeah. I just, I look at it different. You know, it's not a failure. It's, it's, there was two choices and I made one and now I know why I'm not going to make that one again. And for people, you know, a lot of people, they look at it and they go, dude, if I fail, it's a fail. I can't fail. I, failure is, is horrible. My, and my dad, I remember my dad told me when I was a kid, you know, he had a, a good friend of his that played major league baseball for the Oakland A's. And he said, man, he goes, that guy strikes out more times than he hits. So, if you can do that like a a baseball player and you can get a 333 batting average, which is every third time you hit it, you will be making millions of dollars. And if you do the same thing in real estate, it's the same thing. And so, what you're saying is so true and it's all about getting there and making the commitment to do something instead of wishing something would happen and wishing for the future. And I think that's the big difference. Where do you see real estate going in the next two to three years as we're going through everything's changing, everything's always changing in real estate, but where do you see us going in the next couple of
1: years? Well, I don't see interest rates going up. Or up much at all. So, we are going to be in a low interest rate environment for a long, long time because they just can't go up. We don't have a free market and we need these low rates to keep the economy moving, even though it's been kind of ground to a a bit of a halt lately with the government intervening and essentially shutting down a lot of businesses, which is unprecedented and unheard of in history. Number two is we have a strong fundamental demand for housing in this country, it is a basic need. Uh, You know Maslow's hierarchy of needs, food, shelter, and clothing. We need housing. We don't have enough of it. So it's not going anywhere. We're not going to start living out on the street or under a bridge anytime soon. So housing is always going to be in need. Uh, More people are starting to move out of the house because number one, they're getting tired of being cooped up with everybody that they live with because they're in self-quarantine. And number two, millennials are getting to a point where they are going to start getting married and moving out and they're gonna want their own household. So that's creating additional demand to the existing demand for housing that we have in this country. Compound that with the shortage of housing units that we have in this country, which is lagging behind anywhere from 750,000 units a year to 1.5 million units per year. Uh, All that leads to increased demand for housing and we have a housing shortage. So I'm very bullish on housing for the next five to 10 years. I don't think we're gonna see the end of the world anytime soon. And uh, real estate just makes sense as an investment, even if they were to pull back some of the tax benefits of real estate in you know after the election. Which, God forbid, I hope they don't. But if that happens, real estate's still a favorable asset and one that performs better and provides better returns than most other investment options out there.
0: What I heard uh, is there's encouraging news for those that can't get their millennial out of the house. You say that millennials are wanting to move out now, which is awesome news uh, millennials that have <laughs> that have got used to staying in the basement and and everything but that's a a great insight and i and I everything I hear you saying, you know knowing your your website, knowing everything all the information that you're producing, you know I can go in there and I can check all that out and I can see that that's not just your opinion. That is a real fact-based opinion. And so that's, that's really great. I really appreciate you bringing that to, to our attention. So last question I have for you, Marco, is where can everybody find you? I know where I found you, but where can everybody else find you in the World Wide Web?
1: <laughs> well, Shannon, I appreciate you asking and thank you. Uh, so really, our two websites is the best place to find my, me and my team and everything that we've just talked about and then some. Uh, so the, the two websites are Norata, real Norada, realestate.com, N-O-R-A-D-A, norada.realestate.com com. The sister website is uh, PassiveRealEstateInvesting.com. It's, it's basically named after the podcast and named after the book. It's just the domain name for it. So those are the two places. Awesome. Well, Marco,
0: I do want to thank you for coming by and sharing your knowledge with us. It is amazing that the I, I'm, I'm so blessed that you took the time. I know my listeners are too, to, to really kind of get give us the information that you've taken 30 years to acquire. And I really look forward to that book coming out. I can't wait to get my hands on some copies of that so I can pass that out. And uh, I really just want to say thanks again, Marco, for joining us on the Real Estate Rundown. Guys, join us again soon for more guests like Marco. Not quite, as to the point and on it with data. But, but I really want to thank Marco for being that guy. He's always got the data for us. Thanks again, Marco, for joining us.
1: Thank you, Shannon. I appreciate
0: it.